Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We're excited you've joined us. Today, April and our counselor, Jared Jones, will continue discussing real parenting with a conversation about bullying. Thanks for being part of this conversation. We hope that this episode will offer you practical solutions for positive change. Hello, everyone. This is April Bordeaux, the director here at Care to Change. Thank you so much for choosing to spend this time with us. We are uh, right in the middle of a, a series that we're calling Real Parenting. We started at the beginning of August and we've talked about what is needed, the foundation your kids need to be successful at school. We've also talked about teaching your kids what healthy dating means, where we talked about the difference between healthy and unhealthy to toxic, all the way to abusive relationships as it relates to dating. Today, we are going to be talking about bullying, what it is, how to recognize the signs and what to do if you think that your child or your child's friend might be being bullied. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, what to do with impulse control, ADHD, anxiety, all this energy that our kids show us um, that sometimes leads to acting out or maybe even getting in trouble. And so we'll talk about that next week. And then we'll close out the month with our real parenting series, talking about what to do when you catch your kids with porn. So this is a month full of really relevant topics, real parenting, as we as we're calling it, because these are topics that uh, if you're a parent, you have wrestled with this idea or thought about all of these topics at one point or another, or if you have young kids, you will at some point. So wanted to really be a resource for parents and grandparents and those working with kids and youth. And so I'm glad that you've chosen uh, to spend today listening about this topic of bullying. Today, we have a guest with us, one of our therapists here at Care to Change. He's not a stranger to our podcast, has been on our, our show several times, always brings great knowledge. I love to have Jared Jones with us. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. Jared has worked with kids and youth for several years now, and I'm so glad that he's on our team, a gifted therapist and knows a lot about not just therapy, but also the brain and how the brain works and the impact of situations on the brain and body. And so he has a unique perspective you don't often hear from therapists, although it's an important a part of the healing journey that kids and, and anyone really goes through when they come in for therapy. So Jared, we're going to talk about bullying today. And we're going to just dive right in. I have two teenagers and one of them is in high school and the other one almost. And so this topic has come up in our home just because we've known people. And I think it's not if you know students or kids who are bullied, it's really when you know. Yeah. So let's just start at the really the basics, because the question that's come up in our house has been, you know, is it bullying or is it teasing, right? So mm -hmm. let's just start with the very basic what is bullying and how do you know the difference? Yeah. And I know that's hard to tell because we have a lot of kids who they like to tease, they like to play, they yeah. like to joke. That's kind of part of social culture and yeah. in some cultural contexts. But really the difference with bullying is the how it impacts the recipient of that interaction. Mm. And sometimes, I mean, it's even about how the, the sender of that interaction is meant for it to be as well. But 
we really know it's bullying when it's starting to have a longer term impact on someone when mm. when what they're perceiving from that interaction is perceived as hostile or perceived as uh, exclusive something it, it's meant to, and intended to harm that person to do damage to that relationship or to, to to do damage to the other that person's other relationships it's meant to sort of push them down and, and deconstruct them mm. if you will in a way it's like power or control yes it's a it, way it, to get power or control one person one kid or a group of kids trying to gain power or control over another mm-hmm so there's two sides to this. There's intent and then there's impact. Yes. So if the intent is meant for harm, that's one way um, you can identify bullying. Exactly. And if behavior or actions does have a negative impact, uh, it can be, it doesn't necessarily mean it is, um, but it can be also defined as uh, bullying. Yeah. And it can be hard with that kind of second definition because there mm-hmm. are times when the, we'll say perpetrator, the the actor of mm-hmm. the actions is not intending for it to be bullying. In their eyes, it's coming across as teasing, as joking, mm-hmm. but then the recipient is taking it as yes. hostile. Yeah. And in that case, I believe that does fall under the definition of bullying, even if that was not the intention of the actions. Right. And, you know, I, I think, well, I don't want to jump too far too far too fast so so we kind of have an idea of what it is Uh, you know as parents we have this intuitive nature something might not be right right and so talk about what are some signs that um, parents can look for or potentially identify as "Mm, something might be happening that could be bullying might not be but could be what are what are things parents need to to watch for so the problem with bullying the, the macro problem is bullying affects one of the major steps that kids are growing in in this stage of life. From about the point of the end of elementary school to, well, even well into our 20s, we are entering the stage of adolescence where a person is beginning to develop their identity, my mm-hmm. identity with the group around me, my identity as an individual is who I am, mm. and then eventually my identity of my purpose, what what is greater than me in life and what I'm working toward. Mm. And bullying is attacking that identity. And sometimes it's overt, people being called names or being given labels that tears them down. Sometimes it is covert. It is more going around and and making an environment that is toxic to someone, even if it's not necessarily doing it at them. So I mentioned that because that's what you want to look for is any significant abnormalities in emotional or social development of your child. Mm. So there's a lot of overlap that it could be with other things, but looking at your child and seeing how are they emotionally, are they able to interact well, or are they shutting down a lot? Are they spending a lot of time in their room by themselves? Do you see them limiting their social contact with other people? Or are there certain contexts that they are acting very differently than others? You might see children start to ask or request certain things that seem kind of out of the ordinary, like, mom, dad, can you drive me to school today? Can you pick me up from school today? Because there might be bullying on the bus. Or they might always be going to the bathroom or always be going to the nurse's office in certain classes. I have a stomach ache. I have a headache. You know, that repetitive pattern of that. Sometimes it can be with younger kiddos, it might be mom, dad, is this true about me? Or, you know, saying something, Mm -hmm. trying to get at 
Maybe someone had called them a name or someone said something. Maybe they don't understand that. You might also notice your kids becoming very irritable, mm-hmm. easily angered or irritated by mm-hmm. things. You know, maybe you ask them to do a chore that they're supposed to be doing. You ask them to do something extra or they're having irritability with homework. Some of those ways that they are not handling their emotions in a developmentally appropriate way Mm -hmm. may be a sign of bullying as well as that social dysfunction. There are many reasons why kids might not be creating good, healthy friendships with others, but one of them could be bullying. If you notice that your child is not making a lot of friends in school, they're not asking to invite people over or to go over to other children's homes, depending on what your rules are with your home. You know, they're not really connecting and going to parties, even birthday parties and Mm. stuff with friends. They flat out say, I have no friends or Mm. no one loves me. No one cares about me. All of those signs that there's trouble in their social life could Mm. be indicators of bullying. Right, right. And so that either isolation or withdrawal or irritability, they could, like you said, you know, those could be signs of something else, but they're definitely signs seen when kids are victims of bullying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like how you identified that it's an attack on self-concept and purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, Because really at this age, school-aged kids are learning about who they are and what their value is. And we'd like to protect them as much as we can in our home. But the reality is they spend a lot of time at school. And so um, what happens in school does have an impact on what they believe about themselves and how other people treat them. Um, impacts that. Although we want people to learn that their value and worth isn't determined by how someone else treats them. Right. But sometimes there is definitely an impact. And thank you also for sharing, especially with the littles, kids that aren't um, able to necessarily verbalize. So we're talking about the younger kids. It'll show up like headaches and stomach aches. And I don't want to go to school mm-hmm. and I don't feel good. And but I don't want to ride the bus. Yeah, there's like no known reason. They're just saying I don't, I don't want to go to school. Or I don't, I my stomach hurts. That's a lot of like my stomach hurts a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's intent, you know, and then there's impact, and then there's looking at symptoms or some signs that maybe, again, they could be bullying. Might be an, an indicator of anxiety or depression. You sure. Know, I don't want to make it sound like I don't want to give a blanket statement as in you know that says, hey, if you see these, it's bullying. It's not. That's not what we're saying. Just look for some of these. But you know, what I find is, and you know, it's a common, it's a common statement that maybe middle school age kids might say, snitches get stitches, you know, so um, no, I'm not going to tell, you know, you say, tell, tell them to tell an adult, because the next natural question is, okay, what do we tell the kids to do? How would a parent approach a child that they believe might be bullied? knowing that maybe it's not as easy as make sure you tell a trusted adult or tell them to stop, right? So it has to be something different than that. And I am sorry, schools, I really wish it was different, but most schools are bad at handling bullying Mm. because it's not really about the school. That's why I apologize. It's not about the school that's the problem. It's if kids want to bully, they're going to bully. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that truly a teacher can do or a parent can do to 100% prevent bullying. Right. There are strategies that you can take that do help, right. that are real effective strategies. But ultimately, what you want to do is help empower and strengthen your child to be able to resist that bullying when it happens. Mm. Now, again, 
telling the teacher is a great thing to do. And right. kids might be afraid to tell the teacher or they might think the teacher doesn't care. Not every teacher is good about calling out the bullying when they see it. Right. Honestly, our teachers are overworked and underpaid. Right. So to give them an extra responsibility on top of teaching your kids right. and you know helping kids in their class, it's, it's a lot. And they're not going to be able to catch it every time. But encouraging your kids to feel empowered that they can do something about the bullying, be that talking to the teacher, talking to the school counselor, avoiding the bullies, you know, trying to take active strategies to do that. Or even just at the end of the day, talking to mom and dad about what happened that day. What did the bullies say? You know, just having an outlet emotionally for that can all help them resist the effect that the bullying has. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many different viewpoints on how to handle, but what we do know is just reporting it is not the best and only method, you know, just saying, Hey, this is what happened. It doesn't mean you don't report it because the reality is kids who are bullies grow up to be abusers, you know, bullying behavior, true bullying behavior doesn't just disappear as kids get older. There has to be something to change the trajectory that that behavior is on, especially if that behavior is getting them something that they want. And a child being a bully may be an indicator that they are under-resourced with the problem that they are having at home. A lot of times we see kids who are bullies are in turn abused by their family Mm -hmm. members or have gone through abuse or trauma themselves. And the bullying is the outpouring of the effect of that. Whereas if they had other resources to help them cope with and work through those challenges, they might Mm -hmm. not take it out through bullying. So, you know, that's a good point. And, you know, as a parent, like I can feel it rising up in me. If my child was being mistreated, I would want to intervene. And intervening isn't always, again, we're not making any blanket statement here um, about any of this, but I, I love the approach that you're saying, you know, empower them to speak for themselves, um, mm-hmm. to help strengthen their resolve and know their own worth, to know how to set a boundary, to tell the bully to stop, tell the bully to stop or else. And then how to respond and and every parent is different in where they land, you know, and in, mm-hmm. in the response. And we're not going to tell you what to do in this situation because, you, you know, you have your own. You mean value. I can't tell my kid to just let them swing first and then make them regret it? Right. You sure? Right. Or let them swing once and then it's over. Like, right. I wish it was that simple. The bottom line with this is if it's time to report, you do report, but it's also empowering them because... Also, um, let's look at long-term parenting strategies. It's not just about making their day-to-day school life or wherever it's happening, one that's enjoyable or safe. It's about teaching them how to stand up to people who are unkind. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, Jared, you know, even as adults, there are adult bullies. They may not use their fists, but they certainly use other means to try to get their way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it and it's an ugly truth of adulthood. And so we want to teach our kids how to handle people who are unkind or who are just downright mean. Right. So it's not just keeping them safe for the moment in the classroom. It's also teaching them a life skill in how to handle people Yeah. Uh, and how to handle difficult people. And I think it's an art that we have forgotten, which is probably why there are so many classes on how to have difficult conversations. It's not a natural thing to want to enter into a conversation that's uncomfortable or difficult. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you you know what the difference is. You recognize the symptoms. You know the long-term parenting strategy is really that empowerment and that strengthening, not just the reporting and and that sort of thing. But how would a parent approach a child to ask? You know, like if if you're a parent listening and you're like, I think it is. I think this is a lot of times uh, parents, what we hear from teens is how parents overreact. Yep. And so they don't want to tell their parent a lot about what's happening in life, let alone if they're being bullied, mostly because they're afraid that their parent is going to overreact. So what is the best way, the best strategy for a parent to find out and and to enter into that conversation? Every child is different. Mm -hmm. But I think that some of the best strategies parents can use, the first is to approach with curiosity Mm. and with listening. Mm-hmm. You want to provide a listening ear that allows them to have a voice, even if they say, you know, nothing's going on, there's no problem, and you, you're pretty suspicious that there's bullying going on, even if you know it's going on. You don't want to approach them and be like, I know you're being bullied, talk to me about it, because that might create more resistance to them. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting them invite you into their space, you're invading their space. What you want to do is show them that you are a safe person to talk to, that you're willing to listen and empathize with them at first, just to see their situation. Some children are afraid of telling their parents about the bullies because they're afraid that parents are going to tell the other parents or that parents are going to tell the school and then the bully's going to get in trouble and then they're going to get more bullied because of that or they're mm-hmm. going to get bullied from other students. You mentioned that whole snitches get stitches type yes. thing, right? Approach it by letting them know, hey, just in this conversation for the next 10 minutes, you can tell me anything and I'm not going to do anything about that unless your safety is on the line. Unless there is something like you're getting threatened or, you know, your life is in danger. I just want to listen to you. Yeah. I just want to know what this is like for you. Mm -hmm. And some kids will respond to that by opening up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or they might test the waters a little bit. They'll tell you a little bit and they'll begin to open up a little bit. Yeah, I have some teasing going on. And then when they understand that you're trustworthy and that there's not going to be any consequences from that, then they might open up a little bit more. You want to foster that safe relationship where the child is feeling listened to. And I think that's, that's the first step as parents. The second step would be if your child is struggling to open up, sometimes some children just need you to name it for them. And you can name it by making a non-invasive observation to them. Hey, I noticed you've been feeling down lately. I noticed you don't really invite a lot of friends over or you don't talk about your friends with school. And I'm just wondering, is there something going on? Is anyone teasing you or bullying you at school? I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm concerned and I just want to express that concern. And when you present that to them as an observation and invite them to correct you, let them have the power of that situation to tell you what's going on. You know, am I right about that? Or is there something else going on? Oh, no, I've just been really tired lately, not getting enough sleep or, you know, whatever their excuse. Mm -hmm. But if you point out that observation, that at least invites them into knowing that you're seeing this, you're seeing a change, Mm -hmm. you're concerned for them, you care about them and love them and you want to help them. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that about giving them the power in the decision-making process because essentially what the bullies are doing is trying to remove their sense of power or control, right? And so their sense of um, being able to 
have an impact on their own life to make their own decisions about life. And so as a parent, you know, starting the conversation with curiosity and listening, and then engaging them in the solution setting. Right. Um, so what what are some possible solutions? What Let's brainstorm some options to make this stop. So what is comfortable for you in this? And what role can I play as a parent in this and giving them mm-hmm. that voice in it since their voice may have been taken away by the bully? Right. Yeah. So that's good. I want to point out when you say, you know, to approach your child with curiosity and listening to let them know that you are a safe person to talk to, you know, that starts now. That doesn't start when there's potential bullying. And so the, the beauty of that is that's sound counsel for everything in life, um, not just related to this topic, so that when difficult things happen like bullying, you've already created the foundation for them to know you're safe to be able to talk to. Exactly. When working with kids who experience bullying, I think that that's one of the number one foundations is with at least one parent, not having that safe Mm -hmm. um, relationship, not physically safe. They feel physically safe with a parent, but like, I can't talk to my parent. They don't understand me. Mm -hmm. They don't listen or they'll just tell me what to do and then they won't care about that. Now, whether that's true or not, that's just the perception of the child. Yeah. But you can help that by, yes, even now inviting into having that safe place to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their perception is reality, even if it's not, you know, in actuality. We're talking about a being whose emotional brain is just as in charge as their rational brain. Right. And so if they feel a certain way, it's their reality. Uh, right. And that doesn't end until their early 20s. Right, right. So that's the that's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. They're responding based on how they feel. And so begin to set the foundation uh, by approaching your kids with curiosity about all all areas of life curiosity not judgment curiosity not counsel you know kids say you know i want my my parents to listen to me to hear me not to react to me not to counsel me not to lecture me that's usually what it is i don't right i don't need a lecture i don't need someone protecting me right a lot of boys that i counsel Mm -hmm. have that like i don't need protection i can handle it myself i can do this myself like Mm -hmm. no don't go in there no i'm not going to say anything how you approach your child will make a difference in the outcome and and knowing between okay is this Um, verbal bullying, is this physical or, you know, is there safety at risk? Right. Obviously that will end, that will sort of dictate how far you go in in intervening as well. Absolutely. Are there any resources that you would recommend on this topic? Well, there's always stopbullying.gov. That's, that's a good one to go to. And they have a lot of resources and a lot of different pages that they can point you to. And I think that they have a lot of connections with other organizations that can lead you to articles and information. There's also one, I found this article by the American Psychological Association, how parents, teachers, and kids can take action to prevent bullying. So we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. And I also know two of my favorite resources that I mentioned quite a lot, uh, focusonthefamily.com and axis.org, A-X-I-S. So 
Focus on the Family has articles, they have book resources, they have podcasts that talk about bullying. You can definitely just search the word bullying in there and they got all kinds of stuff and maybe even fellow websites that they can point you to as well. And then access.org, they create those conversation kits that parents can use with their children. I think they're geared toward teens, but if you have, you know, maybe preteens, what do they call it, tweens? I hate that word, tween, but the tweens, I think that you can probably gear some of those questions for them too because the earlier you start having those conversations, the more your kid's going to be able to talk to you about it. And I'm pretty sure they have a conversation kit on bullying that Mm -hmm. um, with a membership, you can get that and be able to start those conversations with your kids early on. So that way, or it's never too late. If you have older teenagers, you can still have those conversations with them and foster that. So those are a couple good resources for especially Christian parents to be able to, to facilitate talking to their kids about bullying. Can I add one more thing to that? So We talked about social environment being impacted by that. And as parents, I think it's vitally important. You get your kids involved in a social environment that is accepting and empowering of them. Mm. As Christians, we have the added benefit that we don't just have school and home. We also have church. Mm -hmm. Some kids play sports. They have athletics so they can be empowered. Mm -hmm. As a parent, if you're having a hard time breaking through to your child to talk to them about that, the next best thing you can do is get them engaged in a social environment that they can build their identity and belonging in. If school is shutting them out, get them something else that they feel purposeful and meaningful in. It's good. That connection is key. Yes. In in develop in healthy development. Yes. Well, Jared, thank you so much, as always, for joining us today. Um, we will be sure to put all of these resources in our show notes. We want to encourage you that if you have comments or questions to reach out to us by text uh, or calling us on our care line, uh, which we'll put that number in the show notes as well. You can email us at help at caretochange.org. If you want more information, we're here for you. We want to invite you, of course, to follow us on our social media. Join us next week as we continue our Real Parenting series to talk about what to do when your kids have too much energy whether it's because of ADHD or anxiety or just poor impulse control. Mike Spencer is going to be talking with us about um, how to recognize the difference. But really, as parents, what do we do with all that? And then the following week, we're going to be talking about what to do when you catch your kids with porn. And so uh, we've got some more um, interesting and relevant topics over the next couple of weeks as well. Thanks again. We know you have a choice in how you spend your time. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend it with us today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at caretochange.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.